I want to continue my series entitled God Is, and would you turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now, all glory to God who is able. Everybody say able. Able. Through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about God is love. And last week, we, we, we recognized and we discovered that every thought, that every motive, every agenda, every reason that God does whatever he does in our life or allow to happen in our life or in this world is motivated by his love. Nothing will ever be able to separate the believer from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Amen. And you can rest, you can live, you can operate, you can lean on, you can depend on the endless majestic love of God in your life as a believer. And if there's one thing that I'm really sure of, And that is that in this world today, we live in an unprecedented time when it comes to understanding power. The truth is man has been trying to harness power to do incredible things for thousands of years. Mankind has tried to harness water and turn it into power. Try to harness fire and turn it into power. Rain and turn it into power. Think about the space shuttle. Think about how we're able to to thrust a space shuttle into outer space. Think about the cars that are racing over 250 miles per hour. Today, more than ever before, mankind has been able to understand and harness power. Think about the atomic bomb that can literally wipe out a whole continent. Throughout human history, mankind has stood in awe before the mighty power of natural elements. Light is so powerful. You can take light and you can focus it and it can literally cut through things. Water is powerful. Wind is powerful. Fire is powerful. And we know that power is something that people want to have in their own life. Athletes know about power. When you think about power forwards in basketball, when you think about a power running a runner in football, when you think about a power hitter in baseball, weightlifters know all about power. Athletes in nearly every sport are striving for greater power to establish greater things for themselves. Power is something with which we are all familiar with and we can understand the importance and significance of the power at least until we come to God. Mankind has tapped into natural power. But Paul the apostle tells us in Ephesians chapter one, He said, ever since I heard of your strong faith in the Lord and in your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you the spirit of wisdom and insight so that you might grow in knowledge, the knowledge of God. And I pray that your hearts be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope 
that he's given you because he's called you and to his holy people out of the riches of his glorious inheritance. I also pray, listen to me, that you understand the incredible greatness of God's power towards us who believe. Wow. Paul is saying, I pray that you might understand that power that is available to you to those that believe in God. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. So Paul is saying that I pray that you might be able to grasp or comprehend the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. Paul is praying that we would understand that God is all-powerful. Now, we've been learning about attributes of God. God is sovereign. He is in control. God is love. God is holy. God is who he said he is. He is Yahweh. But here, Paul is praying that you might understand God's power to have the ability to act on our behalf to perform whatever we pray that he would perform according to his will, that, that God's ability would be there for us to do whatever he desires to do in our life whenever he wants to do it. You see, God is love, and God is sovereign, and God is holy, and God is good all the time, and God is faithful, and God is merciful, and God is always there for us. But the truth is, sometimes we question, is God really able. You see, the truth is, in all of our lives, we're going to have to face situations in our life that are just simply impossible without the intervention of God in our life. We're going to have to face incredible situations, overwhelming circumstances, overwhelming, incredible, incredibly difficult realities in our life. And the truth is, the only thing that we will have left is that after we have tried everything to get ourselves out of that mess, after the doctors have tried their very best, even after, as we have pitched in together maybe to help one another, the only thing that we would have left is to realize and rely on God's power, on God's ability, on God's strength and God's omnipotence. And the question will stare you and I right in the face, is God really able? Is God really able to raise that person up from their deathbed? Is God really able to heal my, my body that is broken from disease? Is God really able to restore my heart? Uh, is God really able to recapture and restore and renew my broken dreams? Is God able to deliver me from this drug addiction? Is God able to get me through that storm in my life? And that's when we need to come face to face with the God who is able. That's when we need to see God for who he really is. That we need to see that God is able to go above and beyond. That he's able to do more than we could ever think or imagine or really comprehend in our minds. Somebody help me out. And one of the names of God is a name in the Old Testament that's found tucked away in the story of Abraham and Sarah. See, God promises Abraham that he's going to be the father of many nations. And he tells Abraham that he's going to have a son. And so the Bible tells 
uh, us that, that God tells Abraham that in a year from now, when he speaks that word, that God is actually going to give him a son, and that son is going to bless the whole world, that Abraham's going to be the father of many nations. And through that seed, God always gives us a seed. Listen to me. God always gives us a seed. Hallelujah. And he wants us to do something with that seed. He wants to plant that seed in the ground of our heart so that it can grow and produce a harvest. God is a harvesting God. God is a God of the overflow. God is the God of the abundance. Come on, somebody. God said, I want to open the window of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you cannot contain. And so God promises Abraham that, Abraham, if you trust me, one day I'm going to give you that seed. I'm going to give you that son. Now, the problem was is that Abraham was 99 years old when God fulfills that plan. Sarah was 70-something years old when God makes that promise. And the problem was her womb was completely closed off from productive life. And she was past the age or the time of conception, and it was naturally impossible to give birth to a son. But Sarah even comes up with a plan. She comes up with plan B. She tells Abraham that he should sleep with her slave girl to help God out. Let me tell you, sometimes we think we can help God out. Have you ever tried to help God out? Hello, am I in the right place today? Have you ever tried to help God out? God, I'm not sure that you're going to come through, so let me have a plan B. Sarah had a plan B. Now, the problem with Sarah's plan B is she set into motion a mess that we're still trying to get out of today. Listen to me. Your plan B can cause a mess in your family and your family's family and so on and so on. So get out of the way and let God do what he said he wants to do in your life. Don't give him a plan B because a plan B can always be the wrong plan. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. But listen to what God tells Abraham in Genesis 17 verse 1. And when Abram, 90 and 9 years old, Shana Hashem appeared to Abram or Abraham and said unto him, I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be thou blameless. God said, I am all powerful. God said, Abraham, if you walk before me, in obedience, if you don't try to come up with a plan B. You see, the problem is so often when we're going through a difficult time or we're waiting for God to come through, we disobey God. We compromise. We know that God wants us to stand firm and believe for our marriage, but we have a plan B. We know that God wants us to stand firm and believe for a miracle. We know that God wants to use us in a great way. So God says to Abraham, Abraham, the prerequisite of you getting a miracle in your life is to trust me with all your heart, 
Don't lean on your own understanding and don't come up with a plan B. Don't try to get out of this situation by your own intellect, but trust me all the way to the end. Just wait on the Lord. Just wait. The promise is there. The promise will be fulfilled. I don't know when. I don't know how, but I've got to hold on to God and believe that my plan B is the wrong plan. I want God's plan A. How many of you want God's plan A in your life? You want God's best in your life. Hallelujah. Come on, say with me, I want God's best in my life. And God says to Abraham, Abraham, I know that you're 99 years old. In fact, I waited until you got really, really old. Some of you, you've got some hope in this room. (laughs) Abraham, I've waited for you to get really old. I've waited for you to have hardly any strength left. And I've waited for Sarah's womb to be closed. I've waited for this impossible situation in your life. It's just like Jesus, when, when they told Jesus that Lazarus was, uh, he was sick and he was about to die. And the Bible says that Jesus waited four days because he wanted Lazarus to die. He wanted Lazarus to be good and dead. I mean, really dead, so that he stinketh. Have you ever been in a situation that just stinketh? Have you ever said to God, God, thou art a holy God, but this thinketh. This situation really stinks. This situation's really bad, God. And I can't see anything good to come out of this situation. God, you've put me in this impossible situation, and you could have answered me 20 years ago. You could have answered me four days ago, and Lord, if you would have been here four days earlier, my brother would have not died. But God is still saying to every one of us in this room, do you really believe that I'm able? Do you really believe that I make a promise and when I make a promise, I keep my promise? Even though, even if I have to raise the dead back to life, even if I've got to take that womb that is dead and bring it back to life, I can do the impossible. God is able. Hallelujah. He said, I'm all powerful and I'm able to do whatever I want to do when I want to do it. And that name, El Shaddai, is actually used 47 more times in the Old Testament. It's only used for God. God is all powerful. And the truth is the Bible is filled with references to God's ability to do anything he wants to do whenever he wants to do it at any time. And scripture is punctuated with references to God's omnipotence from the beginning to the end. Psalms 24 says, he's the Lord strong and mighty. Psalm 62, power belongs. Power, God is all powerful, belongs to God. Psalms 147, 15 says, or 5 says, great is our Lord and abundant in strength, exceedingly abundant in strength. And if there's one thing God wants, if there's one thing that God wants us to know is that he's able to do anything. Because some of you in this room, you're facing impossible situations in your life. And I'm here to remind you that God is El Shaddai, God Almighty, God is omnipotent. And just like he told Abraham, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. I'm God Almighty and you can trust me. 
You can rely on me. You can, you can live in peace. You can be certain that I can heal you. You can be certain that I can deliver you. You can be certain that I can strengthen you. You can be certain that I can restore you and renew you and, re and revive you, even resurrect your dead body. Because God is El Shaddai, God is able. And El Shaddai, God Almighty, can do whatever he wants when he wants to do it, and he can even bring to life something that has been dormant in your life for many years, things that you have given up in your life, things that you have quit believing God for. God today wants to encourage you to rise up again and believe that I can do it, hallelujah, that I'm able to do it, glory to God. So that's the hope of every believer. That's the hope of every Christian. That even when we close our eyes in this world, even when some prayers are not answered on this side of eternity, when we open our eyes and we see Jesus, as the Bible says, it doth not appear what we shall be like, but when we see him, we'll see him face to face. Hallelujah. And Paul said this present suffering cannot be compared to the future glory that will be revealed in us. Hallelujah. That even death is swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. That there's nothing in this life that can defeat us. We're more than conquerors. Why? Because God who promised is able. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Did I come to the right church today? Did I go to the wrong church? Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a clap offering today. And it's interesting to see that Abraham and Sarah have to go through all of this to learn that God is able. Genesis 18, the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. And Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them, and he bowed low to the ground. Some people believe that this was actually an actual appearance of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not sure. Some theologians debate back and forth, but, but Abraham knew that was a God moment. Abraham knew that God stepped into his circumstance. Abraham knew that God was about to do something. And I'm here to tell you today, whoever you are, wherever you are, God has just stepped into your circumstance. He's just stepped into this place because he wants to do something powerful in your life. He wants to begin a process inside of you where you are committed, where you are determined, where you are determined to believe that he's able to do the impossible and you will live your life by faith and you will trust him even when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You will fear no evil because he steps into your situation. He's right by you and he's a miracle working God. Come on, somebody help me out today. And he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Oh, God. Oh, God, don't pass us by this morning. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. And let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and go on your way now that you've come to your servant. 
Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent of Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seas and the finest flour and knead it and make some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and he set them before them. While they ate, he stood near them under the tree. Where is your wife Sarah, they asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were already very old. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out, my Lord is old, very old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for El Shaddai? God visits Abraham. And God tells Abraham, next year you're going to experience a miracle in your life. Next year I'm going to show you that I can do anything. Next year you're going to be rejoicing with a baby in your arms. But Sarah hears this and she laughs. You know, yesterday I went to the hospital to visit one of my sons in the faith. Franklin Carrera just, and his wife, Maricel, just had a baby after many years of praying and at some point even just resolved in their hearts that it's not going to happen. But when God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I, hold, I held little Boaz in my hands uh, yesterday and I said, God can still do miracles. Come on, somebody. God can do miracles. And little Boaz is a reminder that God can do miracles. Hallelujah. When you say no, God says yes. When the doctor says no, God says yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so God gives this promise to them. But Sarah hears this, the Bible says, and she laughs. She, she laughs. She whispers under her breath. Now, this is profound. I never really understood this till reading it this week, and the Holy Spirit showed me something. This is, this is so deep. This is a woman who gave up all hope that she would ever have a baby. Not having a baby in her culture was like the worst thing that could happen to a woman. A woman was ostracized. She was laughed at. That's why when Sarah allowed Abraham to sleep with the slave girl, and the slave girl had a son, Ishmael, that the slave girl laughed and ridiculed Sarah. She could feel it. She could feel the laughter that was happening on the inside. I'm a slave girl, and I was able to give your husband something that you've never been able to provide for your husband. You, Sarah, are a failure. The very thing that you wanted more than anything else in your life has not come to pass in your life. And Sarah now resigns in her heart. 
Sarah's entire life since she was a young woman was marked with the pain of an unrealized dream, a heartache, and a sorrow, and a disappointment of not being able to bear a son for her husband. Listen to me. When Sarah laughed within herself, she was actually saying, I don't care what these three guys say. I don't know who they are. They seem to be holy, but I don't care what they say. And I don't care what my pastor says. And I don't care what anyone else tells me about it. Listen to me, Pastor Steve, don't play with my feelings today. Please, Pastor Steve, don't play with my feelings anymore. I've laid that dream aside. I've gotten to the point in my life that I've I've begun to live with the anxiety in my life, the fear in my life. I've gotten to the point where I've begun to live with the addiction in my life. I've gotten to the point where I've gotten over praying, God, would you deliver me? God, would you heal me? God, would you restore my marriage? God, would you bring my son back? I'm just resolved in my heart that God's never going to do that. And you know what the truth is? I'm okay with it. Because I don't want to get hurt again. So Pastor Steve, don't bring it back up again. Don't hurt me again. I suppose that's what Sarah was saying is, please, I gave up on that dream a long time ago. And the truth is, we all have this inner laugh that mocks us, that says, no way. There's no way this is going to happen in your life. My husband will never surrender to God. My wife will never give her life to God. My marriage will never get better. My son or daughter will never come home. I will never change. I cannot overcome this addiction in my life. God will not heal me. I've resolved in my heart that God can heal other people, but he's decided not to heal me. And Sarah had simply resigned in her heart. I will not allow myself to believe again. I can't afford my emotional bank is bankrupt and I cannot afford to be disappointed again. My heart can't take it. But God hears her laugh. God hears her cry. God heard her sigh of resignation. And God responds with one resounding answer. Why did you laugh? Why is your heart so broken? Sarah, why have you resigned to unbelief? Is there anything too difficult for El Shaddai. Sarah, why have you resigned to the fact that God, he's not gonna do it? Is there any situation that is too desperate for God? Is there any dream that is out of the reach of God? Is there any problem too hard for God to solve? Is there any darkness too dark for God's light that it cannot penetrate? Is there any trials that overwhelms God? Is there any miracle that is impossible for God? And until Abraham and Sarah could grasp that one revelation that God could do whatever he said, and when God makes a promise, he keeps the promise until they could get that in their heart that there's no problem, there's no valley, there's no situation that's almighty. Only God is almighty. Wow. So Romans chapter 4 verse 16 tells us that Abraham and Sarah worked their way back to faith. And I'm believing today that some of you in this room will work your way back to faith. 
See, because faith is calling those things that are not as though they are. Faith is being absolutely, positively sure. Faith is being certain. Faith is saying, I know that I have a hope and God is going to show up and my hope is going to turn into reality. Faith says, I'm going to trust God and at the end, he's going to do a miracle in my life. And today, yes, I am trying to elicit in you. I am trying to resurrect the hope in you. I'm trying to resurrect the dream back in you. I'm trying to remind you that God never forgets a promise and God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what we could ask or think because he's a great God. Come on, somebody help me out. I'm praying that you will work your way this morning to faith again. I'm praying that even though you're sitting in your seat, that you will rise up and say, yes, God, I still believe that you're a God who's able. Hallelujah. I still believe that you're a miracle working God. I still believe that you can raise the dead. I still believe that you can restore my marriage. I still believe that you can open the eyes of the blind and open the ears of the deaf. I believe that you can cause revival to come back into my dead soul. I believe that you can change the impossible situation in my life and I will not stop believing. I will not stop praying. I will hold on to the promises of God till I breathe my last breath. I will believe that God is able. Come on, somebody, stand to your feet right now and give the Lord some praise right now. Say, yes, Lord, you are able, God. Would you praise the Lord with me? Come on, somebody. You are able, God. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah, you're able, God. We will believe God. We will believe God. We will trust God. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Glory to God. Romans 4 says, Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to only those who are of the law but also to those who are of faith, the faith that Abraham had, who is the father of us all, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he might become the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And that not being weak in faith, here it is, here it is, listen to me, They've got to work through this. It wasn't easy. They had a son, illegitimate son. It wasn't easy. Sarah laughed. It wasn't easy. Abraham waited and waited and waited and waited. But somewhere between the promise and the fulfillment, they came to the place of resolving in their heart that no matter what anyone else says, no matter what situations in their life, they will believe God till their last breath. They will praise the Lord and they will not waver in unbelief because a double-minded man is unstable in all their ways. And so what? we must be people of faith. No matter what situation happens in our life, we must be people who believe that God is still able. Even on the deathbed, even when the doctor says there's no hope, God is still able. 
Even when your wife says she doesn't love you anymore, God is still able. Even when your husband walks out on you, God is still able. Even when your son or your daughter is sticking their needles in their arm and they're saying, I'm never coming back to God. I'm never coming home. God is still able. Glory to God. I want to tell you something this morning. And I thank the Lord, and I know mama's watching this today. You love hearing your son preach. So, mom, thank you. Thank you, mom, that when I stumbled in the door at 3 o'clock in the morning, drunk, away from God, it didn't look like I would come back to the church and come back to God. But I'm here today, mom, because you believed that God was able. Hallelujah. God is able. Hallelujah. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. You see, he, he saw what, what, what no one else could see. Sarah said, my husband's body is good as dead. I'm worn out. But Abraham chose to see something else. And I'm here to challenge you to see something else. You know, this morning, uh, I want you to go home after the service. And maybe your husband's sitting on the couch watching the game with a little brewski in his hand, and he's drinking. He don't care about God. He don't even care about you. You walk in the house, smile. Just smile. Look at your husband on the couch. And when he looks at you, says, why you're smiling, just look at him. Don't tell him he's an idiot. Don't tell him he's a jerk. Don't tell him he's going to hell. Just tell him, God is able. And then go in the kitchen and cook up some pasta fazool. Hallelujah. And sit at the table and eat dinner with him and keep on smiling. And when he says, why do you keep on smiling? Just look again and say, God is able. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Just keep on telling him, God is able. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in his faith. Day by day, he was strengthening in his faith. I want to challenge you today, whoever you are, read the Bible. I'm, I'm just, my heart is broken to think about how many Christians don't read the Bible. It breaks my heart. I feel, to be honest with you, like a failure as a pastor. When somebody says, how many of you read the book of Thessalonians? And most of you have never read the book. It just, it boggles my mind. It it, it just, I can't, I can't believe it that Christians don't read the Bible. How can you say you're a Christian and not read the Bible? How can you say you're a lover of God? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth. There's no excuse, folks. Some people say, I don't know how to read the Bible. I'm going to show you how to read the Bible. Open it! My grandmother couldn't read. She read the Bible. My grandmother, she loved God. She never graduated from junior high school, but she was a lover of God. She read the Bible. She poured the word into me. She poured the word into my, my, my siblings and my cousins, and there are 30 first cousins on one side, then there's second and third and fourth cousins, and so many other people and hundreds and thousands of people have been touched by the gospel, and they've been changed because of a woman who just simply read the Bible. And she believed it with all of her heart. And God did miracle after miracle after miracle through this woman who just simply strengthened herself in the Lord through faith. And faith comes by reading God's word. That's what it says. 
Faith comes by hearing God's word. You cannot strengthen your faith. You cannot be strong in faith without God's word. And I promised God that I would read his word every single day of my life. And since I've been 19 years old, I can't remember a day that I have missed reading God's word. You say impossible. No, it's not. I will not go to sleep. I told God to give me insomnia if I did not read the word that day. Because I believe, even when I don't want to read the word, I believe the word is strengthening my inner spirit. I believe the word is speaking to my spirit. I believe the word is building up my faith. And so that when I go through a problem and sometimes I'm really scared, I'm telling you, I'm really scared. I think I'm going to lose it. I think it's not going to happen in my life. But man, then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit reminds me God is able. Hallelujah. The Lord, the Holy Spirit takes the word that's alive in my heart and it, it, it bursts out from my heart and my mind and I can say yes again, God is able. But it says he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform it. Listen to me. Listen to what God says to Abraham. Abraham, be strong in faith. Abraham, choose not to focus on the impossible situation. Abraham, do not waver about the promise because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Abraham was steadfast in his belief because Abraham was fully convinced, persuaded. He was confident that God was able to do what he promised. Have you ever had somebody promise you something and didn't come through? Maybe it was a father. Man, your daddy promised you something, but he didn't come through. Maybe it was a boss who promised you that you'd get a promotion or a raise. Maybe it was a lover. Maybe it was a sibling. And the truth is, they wanted to come through. They really didn't want to disappoint you, but they didn't have the ability to come through. They didn't have the ability to deliver. Have you ever been disappointed with a promise made and a promise broken? And most of us have had these promises broken in our life, and we've become disillusioned by these experiences. And as a result of that, we have a tendency to transfer our skepticism because daddy promised us something or mommy promised us something unto God. And as a result of that, now we are skeptical about God. Does he really care? Is he really in control? Does he really have the power to bring about what he promised? Our doubts do nothing but raise our anxiety level and cause us grief in our life. Believe it, Christian. Just as Abraham and Sarah finally believed it, that God was able to do whatever he needed to do in our life. You see, no other being, no problem we face, no trial we go through, no situation we find ourselves in, no valley, no giant in our life is all powerful. And he's on our side. And if he's on our side, if God is for us, then no one can stand against us. And all through the Bible, God calls. All through the Bible, God challenges. All through the Bible, God uses. All through the Bible, God works through. He performs miracles for people who simply accept one thing. 
that God is able. The angel comes to Mary. I wonder. The angel comes to Mary. And and he says to Mary, Mary, in nine months, you're going to give birth to a son. Now, check this out. (laughs) This is really impossible. Why? Because in Sarah's situation, she had a husband. And she slept with her husband. I don't need to go into the birds and the bees, but she slept with her husband. Possibility. I can have a child. But now the angel comes to Mary and says to Mary, Mary, in nine months, you're going to give birth to a son. And Mary says, but excuse me, angel, I understand a little bit about life. I have never slept with a man. I am a virgin. How can these things be? And the angel said to Mary, Mary, I am El Shaddai. Is anything too difficult for God? There it is again. And notice what Mary says. Lord, I've never seen it. No one has ever seen it before. This will be a first for all of heaven and earth. But I accept what you say. As the Lord says, your servant is ready to believe. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And that very verse says, for no word from God shall be without power. That's what it really means. That nothing is too difficult for God. For no word that God utters is not backed by his almighty power. So that that puts the whole matter right where it belongs. In the realm of God's omnipotence. That he has the power to do whatever he says. And if he wants to plant the child in the womb of a virgin, he can do it. He will do it. And when he did that, he gave the world the divine Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. And as the worship team comes this morning, I want to share with you just for just a few more moments what God is able to do in your life. The first thing that God is able to do in your life is he's able to save you completely. That you don't have to help God out. You don't have to try to be holy in yourself. You don't have to try to be righteous in yourself. I'm not saying that you shouldn't live a holy life. But I am here to tell you today that you don't have to do it in your own strength, in your own power. Because Hebrews tells us in in chapter 7, now there's been many of those priests since death that prevented them from continuing in their office. But because Jesus lives forever, listen, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able, everybody say, he is able. He is able to save you completely. He's able to save those who come to him through faith because he always lives to make intercession for them. So God, through Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross, when Jesus died on the cross and he shed his blood for you and I, his eternal blood, as the Bible said, he offered himself up by the eternal spirit once and for all. When Jesus died on the cross, he was the perfect God that died on the cross for you and I. And when we put our faith in Jesus, listen to me, he's able 
to save us completely. Hallelujah. That he's able to start your faith. He's able to be the author and finisher of your faith. He's able to keep you. As the Bible says, number two, God is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless in the sight of the Lord on that joyful day. God is able not only to save you completely. You don't have to work for it. You can't earn it. You just come to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need salvation. And he sends you the Holy Spirit so that he can regenerate you by the power of the Spirit and he can sanctify you by the power of the Spirit and he can make you the person that you ought to be. He can save you, as the Bible says, to the uttermost. He can save you completely. But not only that, but the Bible says he can keep you from falling and present you holy, that you can walk in this world and know that the God who saved you will be the God who keeps you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Come on, somebody say, thank you, Jesus, that you'll keep me from falling. Jude 24 says, now to him who is able, everybody say able. able. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless on that day of great joy. Why? Because Hebrews 2 says, for since he himself was tempted in that which he suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Oh, maybe young man, young woman, you're so tempted today in this world. I know that there's a young man in this room right now. I know there's a young lady in this room right now. You think, how can I hold on? How can I stay pure and holy? Friend, I'm telling you, you come to Jesus. You surrender to Jesus. Put your full trust in Jesus, and he will keep you holy. Hallelujah. It's his job to keep you holy. And he'll give you the strength and the courage. I was a teenager when I came back to the Lord. I was in college but God kept me faithful. Through all these years, God keeps us faithful one day at a time because he knows what you're going through. The Bible says he was tempted in all ways like we are tempted yet without sin. Therefore, he can come to the aid. Oh, God, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. And Jesus sends the power of the Holy Spirit, and he gives you power in your life to overcome sin because the Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And there's no temptation that has overtaken you without God giving you a way of escape. Jesus is coming to help you, young man. Jesus is coming to strengthen you right now and give you the aid that you need. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into the heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses or our sin, but we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Why? Because he's able. Because he's able. God is not only able to save you completely and to keep you until the day you stand before Jesus, but the Bible says, my God is also able to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Second Corinthians chapter 9 says, and God is able to make all grace, everybody say God is able. God is able to make all grace abound to you, that always having all sufficiency in everything you may have abundance for every good work. Philippians 4:19. and my God is able to meet your needs according to his riches and glory. What do you need from God today? 
There's a resource in heaven according to his riches in glory. It's not according to the bank of Long Island. It's not according to a story of bank. It's according to the bank that's in heaven, and God owns everything. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. Everything belongs to God. And he said, I'm able to supply all your needs according to my riches in glory. Somebody say amen, glory to God. God is able to heal your diseases. Now, I know some of you have been praying a long time for God to heal you physically. But I love what Mark chapter 9 says. It tells us that Jesus asked two blind men a critical question. Listen to what it says. And Jesus went out from there, and two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on me, son of David. They, they were praying, God, please. Have you ever cried out to the Lord, God, please heal me, please heal me. But Jesus elicits a response from these men that activates their faith so that they can be healed. Notice what he says. Jesus says to these blind men, listen, listen. It says, and Jesus went out from there, and when he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Jesus tells the woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made you whole. It's always faith. And Jesus is still asking this morning, wherever you are, watching via live stream, in the cafe, in the balcony, on the main floor, Jesus is asking, do you really believe that I'm able to do it? But not only able, but do you believe I'm willing? Now Jesus is walking on the side of the road, and there's a leper, and he starts to cry out to Jesus, 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 heal me. Jesus, have mercy on me. And what does Jesus ask the leper? Do you believe that I'm willing? Are you willing? Are you willing? If you're willing, Jesus, you can do it. Jesus said, what? I am willing. Not only is Jesus able, but today he's willing. Why? Because the Bible says by his stripes, you've been healed. Hallelujah. When he died on the cross, he took your sickness. He bore your pain. He bore your diseases. And it's still the word of God. And I don't know what you've gone through in your life. And I don't know what you've been taught. But my God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus healed out of compassion and he has compassion for you today and he wants to touch your body and he wants to make you whole. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. But I think the most powerful verse in all of the Bible is this one. Now to him. Now to him. Come on, stand to your feet right now. Now to him. Now to God. Now to El Shaddai, now to God Almighty, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think according to that power within us. I want you to close your eyes. I want to pray for you right now. Ephesians 1 says, the very same power that raised Christ from the dead is operating in you right now. That's power. Dunamis power. God is able. Let's break it down. God is. God is able to do exceedingly. That means beyond. Exceedingly beyond. Whatever we ask or think. According to the work according to that power that's working within you. That's power. That's real power within us. 
So I want to ask you this question as we close right now. Every head bowed. I want to pray for you right now. Do you need a healing in your body? Do you need freedom from addiction? Do you need restoration or peace or joy? Do you need a miracle? Do you need resources that are found according to his riches and glory? Do you need strength? Do you need deliverance? Do you need wisdom for a decision you need to make? Do you need to be an overcomer? Do you need to walk in victory over the enemy? Do you need more peace in your life? Do you need supernatural power in your life? Do you need something from God? God is able. But let me finish with one last illustration. So there's a widow, and, and she's got no more money, and she owes a lot of money to people. So she's run out of everything. And she says to the prophet, I've run out of everything, and now they're coming to take my two sons away and put them in debtor's prison. But the prophet says to the woman, what is it that you have in your house? And the woman says, I don't have anything. And the, and the prophet said, no, 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 think, think. What do you have? What do you have in your house? She says, I've just got a little bit of oil. A little bit of oil represents a little bit of strength. I believe, help my unbelief. I only have just a little bit of oil. And the prophet said to the woman, I want you to go out and find every jar you can. And I want you to lock yourself in your house and just begin to pour the oil because there's enough oil in the kingdom of God. You just begin to trust me. You just begin to do, begin to obey the Lord. But I don't have enough oil. No, just start. Just start somewhere. God's saying you just start today, right now, to say, God, forgive me for not having faith. Lord, I'm tired and I'm weary. And I need the oil of the Spirit in my life. I need the anointing of God to raise me up and make me strong again in faith to believe that you're able to do the impossible. And the Bible says that the woman went out and got jars. And that's a great story, but the sad part of the story is, is the Bible says when the oil ran out, she lived on the oil until it ran out. When the oil ran out. Now I'm thinking to myself, listen to me. I'm thinking to myself, if God made me a promise that I'll never run out of something, if God made me a promise that all I have to do is start pouring and, and he's going to take care of the rest every single day into eternity, then you know what I would do? I would find every jar I could find. I'd go everywhere I could. I'd collect every jar I could. I'd put it in the garage. I'd put it in the kitchen. I'd put jars in the living room. I'd stack them as high as I could. Hallelujah. I'd stack them in my bedroom. I'd even put them on my bed. I wouldn't sleep. I'd just keep on stacking jars and jars and jars. I'd put it in the bathroom. I'd have it everywhere. You'd think I was a hoarder. You wouldn't be able to walk into my house. Hallelujah. But I'd get every jar that I could because I believe that God is able to fill every jar that I start filling with oil. Hallelujah. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what we could ask or think. Hallelujah. I'd get every jar I could because I'd believe God. And the sad thing is the Bible said when the jars ran out, the money ran out. I'm telling you that you don't have to run out of strength. You don't have to run out of joy. You don't have to run out of power. You don't have to run out of miracles. You just got to give God something to fill 
fill your heart and that vessel is you today and God wants to fill that vessel and keep on filling and keep on filling and keep on blessing and keep on blessing why because he's able to do exceedingly above and beyond what we could ask or think so you're here right now in this place and you need a miracle I'm gonna challenge you right now to get out of your seat whatever the miracle is I'm going to challenge you right now to get out of your seat. You say, I need a healing in my body. Bring him the vessel. Bring him yourself and say, here I am, God. I need restoration in my marriage. I need finances. I need my son to believe. I need my daughter to come home again. I just need a miracle. I need supernatural strength, whatever it is. Come on. I want you to get out of the balcony. I want you to get out of your seat on the first floor. And I want you just to come and believe God. I want you to step out and say, yes, God, I'm believing. Come on. All over this place, you're going to start coming right now. Say, yes, Lord, I'm bringing my vessel to you. Come on, all over this place right now. In the balcony, you come out of your seat. If you're in the cafe, I want you to come out from the cafe and I want you to come here because God is going to begin to do a new work in your life. He's going to begin. Come on, press in all over this place today. Come on, press in, press in. Say, I need a miracle, God. I need a miracle. I need to believe you again, Lord. Lord, I'm at the point in my life that I have resigned that it's not going to change. But you see, God is able. Hallelujah. And until you breathe your last breath, you're going to believe God for a miracle. Come on. I want you to get out of your seat. Come on. All over this place. Press in a little bit more. Come on. Come on. Press in. Press in. Press in. Press in. Are you ready to believe God? Are you ready to believe God? All right. You're here today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, Pastor, I'm not certain that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. See, the greatest miracle of all is that Jesus Christ becomes Lord of your life. And you say, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not sure that if I die today, I'd go to heaven. I need Jesus to be my Savior, my Lord. I want you to raise your hand right now. I want you to raise it, God. So I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray for you right now. Here's what I want you to do. If you're raising your hand, I want you to step out of your seat and come forward and say, I give my life to Jesus. Come on, get out of your seat. If you're raising your hand, come up, come up to the altar and just say, I give my life to Jesus Christ. Come on, come on, come on, all over this place. God bless you. Look at that, look at that, wonderful, wonderful. In the balcony, don't let that balcony keep you from coming into the presence of Almighty God today. You say, yes, Lord, touch me. Now, I want everybody in this place to be aware of this one thing. We're gonna begin to pray. We're gonna begin to worship the Lord. It is right now 12 o'clock, almost 12 o'clock. When you need to slip out, just go. I love you. I'm sorry that I won't be able to be in the back to hug you today. I pray that somebody else will make you feel friend uh, at home and, and be friendly to you. But you see, today, we're going to get a hold of God. Hallelujah. And so if you need to slip out, just slip out quietly. Go and be blessed by God. But the rest of us here today, we're just going to get into the presence of Almighty God. And we're going to say, God, would you touch me again, Lord? Help me to believe, God, that you're the God of the impossible God, that you're able, God. Come on. I want to.